I was gonna say. Say it. No, Let's say fucking it. go. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the hour where there's nothing left to prove. Experimental lack of concern. It's a perfect world being heard. This is the maniacal hour. You're 100 percent underground. Powered by the emotion of self-passion. This is how we get Thursday, July 7th, 2022, you are tuned into the Blow Off, presented by the Hameen Media Group channel, attitude.com, blowoffpod.com, at the Blow Off on Twitter. I'm Dr. Jargo, your host, Dr. Jargo PhD, and that's the GAG from the PWC. I like to call him the COVID kid. He's the man from down under. He's my man, Jimmy T. Welcome back to your show, brother. It's good to see you. Likewise, my man, and happy birthday for last week, just quietly, bro. I thought we we got to say happy birthday on the blow-off, bro. So once again, happy birthday, Jago. Well, I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it. 43 looks an awful lot like 42, but, you know, hey, we're, we're, we're doing what we can. We're doing what we can. We're trying. We're keeping on, keeping on, and keeping on inside of the world of professional wrestling. Jimmy T, how is it? that there are seven hours of WWE programming. We had money in the bank this last weekend. We're coming off of blood and guts, so we get all this AEW stuff. I wasn't on Rampage Uncaged last week, so, I mean, there's another hour of content to talk about there. I'm not watching NXT, but, I mean, there's two hours of content over there. We've got the the relaunch of Ring of Honor going on, New Japan going into the G1 Climax here in a couple weeks. we got Stardom coming stateside, and yet... I feel like I, I sat down to write what we're going to talk about today. And I was like, there's nothing to talk about. There's nothing worth talking about. There's like 15 hours of pro wrestling on TV every week. And there's nothing worth talking about. What's the lead story this week? You know what, man? I will say that Money in the Bank was actually a fun show, bro. I'll say that was the story of the week for me because I actually thoroughly enjoyed it. Heck, I'll even go as far and say Possibly the best pay-per-view of the year. Sorry, premium event. So you're saying the best WWE show of the year. When you say premium live event, it was the best WWE show of the year. Definitely the best WWE show of the year, but possibly one of the top three. Really? Really? I Really? Really? It was that good. I'm, I'm too, only because I didn't expect it to be any because good. I, now, to be fair, I actually watched Money in the Bank. Money in the Bank is one of my favorite events throughout the year. So I wanted to tune in. I wanted to see who was going to win. I wanted to see who was going to get the briefcase, see what the direction was for the company as we go through the summer. And I'm like, okay, they got Becky Lynch is featured on the poster. We got Seth Rollins featured on the poster. Seth especially seems like he was in a place to win it. Um, and then I'm watching the show and like, my problem with WWE at this point is the wrestling is good. Like I enjoyed a lot of the wrestling, right? Like the, the Usos and Street Profits, I thought was absolutely phenomenal 
it what went on too bro. long, but it, 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 it was slow getting started. But boy, when they got started, it was really freaking good. The problem with WWE is the characters. There's no investment in any of the characters except for Liv Morgan, who we're going to talk about here in a little while. Austin Theory is getting real close to go away heat at this point. Just and, and it's the Roman Reigns thing all over again. It's how the company is pushing him. It's how the company is presenting him. I think Austin Theory is a hell of a talent. But when you have Bobby Lashley basically squash the dude at the beginning of the show, don't tell me he's going to win money in the bank then later on in the night. Like, it, that just, that doesn't work for me, brother. Right? Right. And, uh, well, yeah, absolutely. And, and I felt the same way, although I was cool with Theory actually winning it anyway. And let's be honest, the second he got announced, you knew he was going to win it, but oh, you're yeah. right. There was, there was no logic behind it. I mean, how do you reward a loser? Right. And not just that the loser ends up winning the damn thing. So yeah, it's kind of weird, but still, I thoroughly enjoyed the, the actual whole event, man. We have Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns coming up at SummerSlam. Right. Austin theory has the briefcase. I realize it's last man standing. I would take 20% of Brock Lesnar over Austin Theory. I would oh, take right. 15% of Roman Reigns over Austin. Like Austin Theory is not credible in any context to me to be walking around with either one, the WWE championship or the championship of the universe. Like he, he, he doesn't strike me to be in that spot at this point. And, and like Wardlow, Wardlow captures the TNT championship last night. They did our boy Scorpio Sky dirty too, because that was basically a freaking squash match, right? Like, yeah. and, and that I had a real issue with, but Wardlow is cast as that mid-card champion. I mean, I feel like Wardlow and Austin Theory, there's a lot of similarities as different as the two are, but AEW is kind of slow burning this thing. WWE is like, nope, we're just going to tie the rocket to this kid. But I can see Wardlow competing with the elite, no pun intended, inside of AEW. I don't feel that way about Austin Theory at this point. I feel like you should be wrestling guys like Shinsuke Nakamura for the Intercontinental Championship. I feel like you should be feuding with people like The Miz for the Intercontinental Championship. or you, Whoever's walking around with the U.S. title because Bobby Lashley should not be walking around with the U.S. title. Like I feel like Lashley yeah. is above that title at this point. What what is WWE do? Does which do you like better? Because I like getting the emotional investment in the character. I like watching the character rise up through the ranks, very similar to how Goldberg did back in the day. I'm not about the Roman Reigns John Cena push, especially for somebody like Austin Theory. He just doesn't feel like that kind of character to me. I agree with you. I am more, you know, the type of guy that needs to be emotionally invested in a good storyline and a good character in general, but. Austin Theory, man. Look, I've been following his career since Evolve. Yep, and, I, and I've said this plenty of times, right? I knew this kid had something, right? I, I just felt that for a kid at his age, even back then, he understood the business pretty well. I mean, let's be honest. He's a great talker. He's pretty decent in the ring, too. I mean, he's actually good all round, right? And he's only 24 years old. I mean, if anyone can sort of handle this pressure for a kid his age, I think he'll do fine, even with go-away heat. You know what I'm saying? So I think he's such a good heel at this moment because you just want to punch the guy. I mean, let's be honest, right? Oh, yeah, I mean, he, and he has a very punchable face. 
Absolutely. So, man, I think the kid is pretty switched on, and I think he'll be able to handle all this, man. Whether it's a bit too early, I don't know. Time will tell. But Vince definitely loves the kid, that's for sure. I mean, I feel like... Okay, this, this might be a, a really good comparison or people may not get it at all. I feel like Austin Theory is more Randy Orton than John Cena. Does that make sense? That. It does, but I do see a lot of Cena in him, dude. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I really do. I mean... But there was a reason they built the company around Cena and not Randy Orton. And I feel well, like Austin Theory is a lot more Randy Orton than he is John Cena. Well... We're going to have to wait and see because the thing about Auden back then, he kind of didn't appreciate or, or didn't realize what, what position he was in. And uh, that really affected him because he was never giving it a 100% back then, dude. If no. he did, yeah, if he did, I'm telling you now, dude, he would have been what he is now in about four or five years of his career back then. I'm telling you, that's how good he was. Okay, but... And and not to stick up for the Randy Orton customary headlock in the middle of the ring throughout the course of his career. If Randy Orton didn't work the way that he has worked and pace himself the way that he paced himself, if he went full bore all the time, if he if he was Cody Rhodes and he was going as hard as he possibly could for as long as he possibly could, Randy Orton would have been out of this business 10 years ago. <laughs> Yeah, because he would have made the most money probably out of anybody. No, no, because his body wouldn't have been able to take oh, it. Well, it. It was because well, yeah. of that pace, because of that methodical approach and not going full bore 100% of the time. That's why here we are 20 years later and we still have Randy Orton. Otherwise, he would have well, been out the same time Batista was. Well, to be fair, I mean, Cody has only been going full ball since he left WWE, right? Yeah, so agreed. When you think about it, right? So you got to give him that. But as far as Auden goes, I don't think he even needed to go that far anyway. Like, this, he's not the type of guy to do any extravagant moves. But the one thing that he understood from day dot was psychology. You know what I mean? Nope. But he just didn't invest his all in achieving what he could have achieved a lot earlier. See, to me, I was never a big Auden fan back then. I am now. Back then, I just didn't like him, right? I understood that he was great, but I just didn't like him. But, dude, if he actually stuck to it properly and took it a lot more serious, I mean, it would have been sky's the limit with him, but he had an attitude problem, and he didn't mature until he was about 35. Rick and I used to get a lot of crap for saying this, but I honestly believe that it's true. Randy Orton is the most over guy in the company. Uh, I, and he has been for years. I mean, when you go to a WWE live event, Randy Orton gets the loudest pop every night. Every night. Because people love Randy Orton because he has built that respect over the course oh, exactly. of so many years like i was never a big randy orton fan but you know come about year 15 or so it's like damn this dude like still doing it and doing it and doing it well doing it and doing it and doing it well you know what i mean like i i feel like this rk bro stuff is some of the best character work that randy has done in a decade absolutely and you know why because he's enjoying himself now dude he's actually appreciative of where he's at he knows he doesn't have that many years left. And I think he's just 
riding that wave, man. And you're right. I personally think before he got injured, Auden should have been the one to get the championship of Roman Reigns. I agree with he that. He was mega over, dude. He's always he mega over. You right. can go to a random house show in Toledo, Ohio. Randy Orton will get the pop of the night. Doesn't matter what his character is, and that's why I firmly felt like Matt Riddle needed to turn on Randy Orton because people want to cheer Randy Orton. People like Randy Orton as a person, as a performer, not so much the character, right. but the performer has the respect that if, if you turn Randy heel at this point in his career, you're swimming upstream. Like, because people just want to naturally cheer Randy Orton. Absolutely. And, and, I, and I feel like, do you, do you think in many ways, he's a, he was ahead of his time in many ways, dude. Because, oh, yeah. Like, he's very old school in the way he works, right? And the way he thinks. But not just that, he just understands the business. I mean, think about it. He's a third generation wrestler, obviously. I mean, he looks like a million bucks. And for a guy that's in his mid-40s, he still looks great. I'm just worried that now he's starting to become a little injury prone, man. And uh, he says he wants to go on as long as he can, even into his 50s. He actually said that. Yeah, well, I mean, his shoulders have been shot for eons. I mean, no, like, that's right. just the way it goes. You know what I mean? But Randy Orton, it, a lot of the same conversation we had about Hiroshi Tanahashi going into Forbidden Door. Like, he, he's not as spry and athletic as he used to be but he makes right. up for it for what he knows now in in-ring psychology and pacing and how to work those fans. Just two guys of an era that I feel like we're losing and we're losing it quickly. We saw it on Dynamite last night. Uh, I was really excited for Dynamite last night, not because of John Moxley versus Brody King, because that was exactly what I thought it was going to be, even though that was good. Like, I enjoyed the match, but I mean... Nobody thought Brody King was going to win that match. The match I was most intrigued by on the card was Roosh versus Penta. Uh, two guys that have wrestled each other like 500 times. And I was curious what the presentation was going to be on American soil. And I can a match be really good and really bad all at the same time. Because, I mean, like, this wow. was a Lucha main event. This could have been a triple mania main event, even the way that it was worked. Yeah, it does not sort of transition well into, like, American television, dude. It, it just doesn't, man. And, uh, I mean, those slaps that I were doing to each other, what, what was this, dude? I mean, I mean, it was stiff is what it was. My God, they were just beating the ever-loving crap out of each other there for a while. <laughs> You were frozen. Oh, you're back. Are you back? Maybe you're not back. Okay, well, I'll just talk until Jimmy comes back. Here was my problem with Roosh versus Penta. I thought Roosh looked, Roosh looked, Roosh looked, Roosh looked. Whoa. I'm back. I can't hear you for some reason right now. Now there can we go. you now hear me? Hear you. Now I, can now hear I can't you. hear you. Really? We are having technical difficulties, ladies and gentlemen. You can't hear me now? Well, if, if anyone can hear me in the chat, can, can anyone like tell us, please? It's like your mic is muted, bro. What about now? Is your Damn. mic on? 
It's on. It I don't hear on. you at all. All right, give me a moment. Give me a moment. My mic is working. Hold on. God, well, this it. sucks. Yeah, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> if there's anybody in the chat, let us know if you can hear anybody. See how long it takes for Jimmy to come. Can you hear me? Yep, I got you now. All right, I don't know what the fuck happened there, dude. That was weird. The wonders of live podcasting, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. You know, that was weird. Sorry about that, man. The stupid uh, technical difficulties, but unfortunately, it does happen. So, Bruce and Penta, I thought Bruce looked really good. Um, I thought that was exactly the presentation of Roosh that I expected. And I, I thought he worked really, really hard, much harder than Roosh typically would work for just a random undercard match. But this was his debut on Dynamite, his, his real like in-ring debut on Dynamite. He beat the ever-loving crap out of Penta and Penta just basically no-sold everything. Like there was no selling in this match from Penta, and that was really, really disappointing. I thought Penta looked like crap in this match. I mean, whether it was the the lack of selling, I didn't think his offense looks real good. He seemed out of position several times. Like, I what the hell happened here? Because I thought Roosh looked great, but Penta just I don't know what happened to Penta, but I, I mean, I made the comment once before. He's living off that Lucha Underground street cred. And since then, I'm just not seeing it. And he's been out of Lucha Underground longer than he was in it. Yeah, no, you're 100% spot on. And it's really sad to see, man, because either he doesn't give a shit and he's just happy collecting a paycheck because a lot of the times you see him, he comes out with his kids. You know what I mean? He seems happy as Larry. I'm not going to lie. Doesn't seem like he's not having fun. CM Punk's and, dog, Larry? Well, yeah, I mean, you, you could say that, actually. But I know, really, in all seriousness, how, like, has he gone from someone that everybody was hyping, everybody loved, especially during Lucha Underground? Heck, even his impact run was pretty good, right? But here we are in AEW. They have done absolutely nothing meaningful in terms of a single run with him. I don't even know why he's Pentagon Dark right now when he's even worse when, than when he was like normal Pentagon. This is sad, dude. I mean, and they keep taking his mask week in, week out, it feels like, man. If it's yeah, not him, it's someone else. If, if it's you, not Rush. If you didn't know better, you would think they were building to a mask versus hair match. But I don't see Penta losing his mask. And I certainly don't That's see Rush cutting his hair. Hell no. No way. Nah. But it's not happening. No. It, you're right. It looks like they're building to that. But it ain't happening. They ain't building to that. In, in case Ooh, nobody's ever seen. Larry. This, this is Larry, CM Punk's dog. <laughs> he is the ugliest dog that I've ever seen in my life. And that's what makes him a cute dog. Yeah, no, he's ugly. But he's cute. Absolutely. Yeah, shout he, out to Larry. Shout out to Larry. The ugliest dog <laughs> I've ever seen. I mean, my God. My God, man. And I've seen some pretty ugly dogs. <laughs> That's saying. funny, bro. I have. Well, Phil's going to block us now. Me too, absolutely. <laughs> so what do you do with Roosh at this point? Because I mean, there's something about that dude, man. Like, there is something about... <laughs> well, but there's... 
there's also the star quality to him. Like yeah, he just true. demands your attention while he is in the ring. And like I'm watching, we, we talked about the Randy Orton headlock, right? Mm-hmm. So they go into the the uh, split screen commercial right. on Dynamite, and Roosh puts Pentagon in a headlock and just lays there with him in a headlock, right? And it was the most vicious looking headlock that you've ever seen in your life. Like you would have thought that he was really choking him out with that headlock. He's got like his foot on him in the corner, just like hold him in in the corner. He looks like he is putting every single ounce of energy on the planet against Pentagon's face. Like the most basic things Roosh makes look so good. And his pacing is so smart. The way he works cameras is so smart. Like he has every star quality that you could possibly want in a professional wrestler in 2022. He's just an asshole. Like, and I'm not talking about the character. He's just an asshole. And he doesn't like to do business unless he's the guy going over. Like, what do you do with Roosh at this point? Because do you try to make as much money with him as you possibly can? Or do you put up with the headaches that come with making as much money as you possibly can with him right now inside of the AEW lexicon? I don't know. Well, first of all, can he speak English pretty well? Um, He can when he wants to. Oh, so he's one of those guys. I mean, a, a lot of times when I hear a Roosh promo, it'll be like half in English, half in Spanish, because he doesn't think that the English-speaking audience understands the Spanish that he is going to say, and he can get away with saying things right. that he shouldn't be saying in English. Like, no, no, right, But that's yeah. Roosh. Like, it also plays into the personality of Roosh. I just, I'm so hesitant to go full bore with that dude, but unless he's in main events and in that AEW title scene, I feel like you're using him wrong. I agree, but uh, I mean, look, it's what have they really done with him? This is his first match, like you said. They've they've started and stopped with him, it seems, right? But um, yeah, look, I don't know what his attitude is like right now in AW, but um, if he if he can, the the problem is with these Latino stars, especially the Mexican wrestlers, they really don't know how to use them. Well, TK really doesn't. Well, I mean, let's be honest. And I feel like the other problem is the way booking works in the States and the way booking works in Mexico is so different and they are so protective of their characters and their win loss record and the family legacy and the lineage. And like, there's so much that goes into Lucha Libre that just ignored in American booking and so I think they just present as so hard to work with. No, you're right. And actually, they go to the extent of even hiding their names, especially the mass wrestlers. There's some wrestlers, we don't even know what the hell their names are. Yeah, like Dragon <laughs> Lee. I've never, right. ever. Like, that dude is chilling at home on the couch with his kids in his mask. <laughs> like, it, 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 that's just the way it is. And that's the way it's always has been. And that's hey, I like that. That's a good thing. That's what you call keeping kayfabe, man, because that's how it should be done. It's but still yeah, you're very right. real down there. Absolutely, as it should be, man. But look, CMLL are not exactly. They're more kind of like a North American style compared to AAA. Say, 
You know yeah, what I'm saying? Kind of. But I, but I also I say, feel like I use that's that why loosely though. I also like, feel like me. that's why AAA is the bigger company of the two at this point. Well, it's it's they keep it they keep it traditional, man. They keep it yeah. Mexican. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, you're right. Absolutely. Spot on. But I hope Rush gets a justified push. But if he can speak English properly, then there's no reason why he can't be a star, even if he's a freaking asshole, man. I mean, heck. I even noticed like Andrade last night working, you know, as, as the guy on the outside just felt like a bigger star just being in Rouge's presence. That's the difference. Oh, you really, you think that that's how yeah. much you see. Wow. That's I had to read. It's like, like Andrade's entire that. body language just feels different being around Rouge. His entire presentation oh. feels different being around Rouge. And I mean, AEW has to be like I thought it was so ridiculous last night that Roosh sets up for that crazy drop kick that he does into the corner. I there's a lot of people that do it, but Roosh's just looks and seems like it hits a little different. But he has like the big pose beforehand. They didn't even establish his finish. Like in his opening match, they didn't even establish. They didn't even have him miss it. He just got cut off because Pentagon no sold what was going on, comes rolling out of the corner right. and hits him with a basically a code breaker. And it's just You're like, right. what the hell are you doing? I just I, I did not understand the way weird. there's no way I would have put him in there with Penta for his first match. I realize that they have worked a ton of matches together before. They have great chemistry, but when you're trying to establish somebody the size and potential of Roosh, have him go out there with Fuego del Sol and just destroy mm. the poor kid and work up to Penta because right. he is one of those talents, you know, that comes along two, three times every every generation. Roosh is still pretty young. You can make a lot of money with him. But you have to establish who in the hell he is. And, I mean, I feel like he is already a bigger star than Andrade just because he doesn't have the WWE stink on him. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, but I do think Andrade has improved because of WWE in many ways, too. He right? has, but the problem is just in your brain, right? And, and Claudio is going to have this problem, too. You gotta watch that WWE stink off of you because we've seen everybody beat Claudio at this point. We've seen everybody beat Andrade at this point. Roosh was the Ring of Honor World Champion for you know a year, and then PCO had to run him over with a car in order to get the title off of him. Like he was booked so strong, I feel like he's immediately a bigger star than Andrade, and he's given Andrade the rub, not the other way around. For anybody who knows who Roosh is and tell the people who he is who don't know no you're right it's it's spot on but see in aw they do not explain shit dude and, and they continuously do this because i guess they expect you to know who rush is and what his history is i mean people now are probably going to be like oh yeah i remember la faction <laughs> la yeah but how many people were watching ring of honor how many people saw that Probably 200. <laughs> Let's be honest. I mean, all right, look. A, as long a few as we thousand. don't bring in Kenny King. If we bring in <laughs> Kenny King, I'm out. <laughs> don't worry about Kenny King. But uh, no, look, a, a small percentage of the AEW fan base clearly would know his history. 
but I truly think a lot of them don't because a lot of these fans are actually newbies. There's yeah. a lot of newbie fans, and for whatever reason, they've become hardcore, rabid, crazy type of fans, even though they haven't been fans for that long. So I don't know, man, but I just hope Rush, they don't start, stop, start, stop, because now I bet we won't see him for another two weeks, man, and that's the issue. I would have him come out and just be destroying people left and right until it gets to Wardlow. Like, put him over as that monster because Roosh is really wide. That, but right. he's really wide. Like, he looks like a freaking pro wrestler, right? Oh, absolutely. absolutely so build him man. up to the point where you can have Wardlow beat him and have it mean something for the TNT Championship. Wardlow, your new TNT champion, defeating Scorpio Sky for the Peanut Butter Jelly Championship. Yeah. Um, what are we going to do here? Like, I, well, I do feel like the TNT title immediately means more with Wardlow having it just because of how strongly he's been booked, whereas Scorpio's been beaten over and over and over as good as he is. Well, actually, funny that you bring up Scorpio because I'm hearing rumors that apparently he's left AEW. That's the talk. I don't know if that's true. I don't personally believe it, but is it? Have you heard anything about that, Jago? I have not. Right. I have not. That's what people have been saying. So I I don't know what to think. I don't think he's left, but that's what a couple of people like Jeff, Jeff Lehman actually came up to me and asked that as well. I'm like, I haven't heard of that. And I still haven't heard of that. Other than a few fans talking about it. That would be very surprising to me. Me too. I agree. I don't see why he would leave. But um, yeah, look, they... They have done Scorpio wrong, but like you said, if they was going to build Rush to be that monster for Wardlow, well, they're doing it backwards. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Rush should be your TNT champion and then have Wardlow, you know, come up and def- and defeat Rush as that, you know, mid-card monster per se. So we know Lucha Libre doesn't translate the greatest to the American audience. It never has, even though like we have had breakthrough stars like Rey Mysterio and whatnot. We've also seen Joshi breakthrough, whether it be Asuka, whether it be Kairi Sane, whether it be Io Shirai. um, That's an interesting one to be keeping an eye on. I am hearing Io's contract is up very, very soon. Um, I would love to see EO and what we're about to talk about, talk about stardom is making its way to the United States. Jimmy T they're going to start putting stardom wrestlers on new Japan of America. Now I haven't heard the full details of how this is going to work. How many girls are going to send over at a time. Uh, I am a very big fan of Joshi wrestling. We have seen some breakthrough. I think there are some in stardom that could break through, especially if they would learn how to speak English. And I know there is a lot of people that they hear about stardom and they're like, yeah, I wouldn't mind watching that, but I'm not going to stardom world. I'm not going through the hassle of signing up for the website. I'm not trying to figure out how to maneuver the website when all the weird shows are and their weird show timings and the upload schedule. And it turns a lot of people off this might be a way for people to get into stardom. What do you make of this announcement though? Because I've always liked stardom being on this side, new Japan being on that side and them not having a whole lot of crossover outside of wrestle kingdom. How do you feel about the stardom talent making their way to new Japan of America? Well, I'm, I like the fact that they're making their way to new Japan, but 
New Japan of America is the part where I'm a little confused. I mean, do we get a lot of the Western sort of females moving over to the States and we get more of them showcased? Or do we legitly get also a few Japanese? Yeah, I'm the jump aboard. And I'm really curious who they send. Like, it, what level of talent are they going to send? Like, are they going to send Julia over here for six months to a year? Because I doubt that, because they want Julia on the shows in Japan for the next six months to a year. Like, what level of talent are we sending? Because the girls I feel like could get over in the States are not the girls that they're going to send over here because they need them for yeah. the shows in Japan. Although I will say the timing of Io Shirai and her departing possibly from WB is kind of intriguing because I think she's gone. Personally, she's she's out of here. She doesn't want to re-sign. But maybe she'll be the 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 female to headline, new, uh, not New Japan, but stardom of America in New Japan. Well, of the- America, so... And we have seen Kyrie re-debut, Kyrie Hojo, now back right. over in stardom. Like, maybe they send her. Or like, are they going to send over the women that people are going to know? But then again, you're taking them away from the Japanese audience. And that's always like, people talk about, oh, yeah, all this New Japan talent that's coming over. They're, they're sending over the B team. They're sending over Nagata and Kojima and Suzuki. And it's right. like, well, yeah, that's true, but... They also can't be without Tetsuya Naito for a couple of months. They can't be without Okada for a couple of months. Like, of course you're going to get talents like Hiroki Goto, right? Like, because people aren't paying to see Goto in Japan. Like, if Goto's there, that's cool. I'm happy to see him. But he's not the rainmaker. He's not the guy that's putting the asses in the seats. And New Japan can't afford to part with those talents for elongated periods of time. I'm surprised we got Tanahashi as much as we did. Well, then there's your issue. I mean, if you're going to want to try to expand away from your market where you actually are the company, then you got to send the real deal, man. You know what I mean? Unfortunately, that's that's how you do it. You can't just... Look, I'll give credit to New Japan, man. They always try, no matter what. Even if they fail, they will continuously do the same thing until yep. eventually they break through. So I'll give them credit for that. But you need to send the big guns down otherwise you're not going to get people you know being invested in it you know what i'm saying so i think they need to take a risk and go all in no pun intended but that's just me jago no i'm with you i i do like what they did a couple of years ago when they had the g1 climax in dallas texas where they, they just ran one night in Dallas. Like, I feel like that's the way to do it. Just do shows over here. Don't try having the the Raw roster and the SmackDown yeah, yeah. roster. Like, just do a show over here. Because, like, I, I look at even the show that we have lined up, they, they've announced the card for the first ma- or first night of the G1 Climax. Have you seen this full card yet, Jimmy? I actually haven't, but I'll actually put it up right now, so I'll check it out. So, the... The way this thing is laid out, your main event of night one, Kazuchika Okada versus Jeff Cobb. Um, Now, people want to talk about a sports-like presentation. When I go to New Japan's website and I look up the night one of the G1 Climax, it tells me that their singles record is 3-1 to Kazuchika Okada. And inside of the G1 Climax, Okada has won two matches to Jeff Cobb's zero. 
like they're, they're giving you the statistics. Here's the backstory with these talents. That's what's missing from the American presentation. They're, oh, we want a sports-like presentation, but they have no idea what in the hell that actually means. New Japan nails it. Just copy their damn format. Kazuchika Okada versus Jeff Cobb, night one, Empire versus Chaos. I love it, man. And it all plays into the storylines that they've been telling with Okada and Osprey, which is really the grander story arc here. Absolutely. And you bring up an interesting point because I felt like I just want to go back to Forbidden Door for a second. Kevin Kelly stood out for me during that whole event because as commentator he, in the business, he, 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 he really is. And you know why? Because he explained fucking everything, dude. Yep. You know what I mean? Everything. And I was actually thinking about that before. He really does. He explains everything. And that's the problem that we have here with AEW. They just don't want to tell you anything. I don't know, because if they choose to, or they, I don't know, they're incompetent or no one cares. But that's the difference. New Japan know how to actually explain things, man. And they got the right people to do those parts. And yeah, you're right, man. Absolutely. Yeah. I, and I'm looking forward to that as the main event. It, that surprises me a little bit because your semi-main event is the IWGP World Heavyweight Champion Switchblade Jay White versus Sonata. I would have thought that would be the main event. These two guys have only wrestled each other once, which I also really? was really surprised by. Their records head-to-head, Switchblade 1, Sonata 0. Is there any chance that they let Sonata get an early win over Switchblade, and then later on this year, we could actually get a Sonata versus Switchblade main event for the championship. That's the way that New Japan booking works. We're definitely going to get Sonata actually getting one over Jay White on the first night, 100%, bro. Like, I think that that will happen. Because it only makes sense for Jay White's sort of character, man. Like... You know, well, but, and you know, I mean, they're always looking for like king of pro wrestling. They need right, a main right. event, you know, power struggle. We need a main event world tag league at the final. They typically like to have some kind of a main event, like in Sonata versus switchblade. That feels like it could be elevated to that well, point for those shows. Definitely. Absolutely, man. And, uh, with Sonata though, the, I mean, how many the times great are we Sonata, as Billy Ray Valentine would say <laughs> the great Sonata. Well, I mean, how many times do you want to try this experiment out, man? Because does he transition well for for the Japanese audience, let alone the Western audience? Nope. That's the problem, man. And he looks like a million bucks. But you know what? Maybe we got a case of the Randy Orton here, man. Is he one of those guys that actually doesn't put enough effort into it? And if he did, could he possibly be one of the biggest stars in Japan? The problem is Sonata shouldn't put a whole lot of effort into it because that's not the Sonata character, right? right like no, right, but- the, the problem with Sonata is people can't connect with Sonata because he's disconnected in general. Like that is the Sonata character, the cold skull. Like he's so uninterested in everything. He doesn't really care about anything. Everything feels like it's, you know, half pay. He's almost like the so orange, orange Cassidy. I was going to say he's oh, almost well, the orange Cassidy <laughs> of New Japan pro wrestling. He really is, but on a much higher level presented as a more serious character. It's not a comedy gimmick. He just 
he doesn't care. And that's why he's in LIJ with Naito to begin with. Well, that's funny because we both said it right at the same time. Because I'm thinking, as you're saying that, I'm like, you're practically explaining Orange Cassidy. All we need now is Sonata doing this and we'll be complete. Maybe Instead, he does this. Together. <laughs> that's all he does. Picture there? He does this. Orange does this. There you go. We're off to the races, Jago. But no. But the it, typical Sonata promo. See you <laughs> next time. That's, I mean, like. <laughs> See you next time. Yeah. I mean. No, he's, he's monotone, man. He's real monotone. Yeah, no, you're right. It's it's true. Maybe it's time for a change. Really? I mean. Yeah, I give just... him some sort of personality, man. Other than that being his personality. Yeah, because. It it's hard to connect with somebody who's disconnected. You know, I feel like that's always the problem with Sonata. (laughs) I think this might be the match of the night. And I assume will Osprey will win. Will Osprey versus El Fantasmo. Hey. Yeah. Uh, These two guys, Jimmy T, believe it or not, three and three. El Fantasmo is the kind of guy he can keep up with Osprey. He can do all the weird, crazy, flippy shit, and he can do it better than Osprey at this point in his career. I can see where Fantasmo would have Osprey's number, but I don't think it's going to happen here. I don't think Fantasmo is going to win a whole lot in this tournament. He's just going to be fun to watch. I love Fantasmo, but the thing is, I think he's gone a little bit backwards, but he still made it work. Though. Don't get me wrong, right? He's still making it work. But he's not the same Phantasmo of, say, three years ago. You know what yeah. I mean? He was a much better Phantasmo, in my opinion. But ever since he grew out the hair and he started looking like X-Pac, <laughs> he's, starting to be, he's starting to get that X-Pac heat. But you know what, man? But I in a good way. I'm a in fan a good of way. Yeah, in a good way. Absolutely. I still like the guy. He's a goof right now, but he's a fun goof. And you know what, man? I'm always down for, for, for some Phantasmo. And you know what? This match is going to be great as it always is. I just didn't realize it was three and three. Yeah, I, I know. Kind of crazy, right? Uh, this crazy. one is going to be interesting because it's a true first time ever matchup. Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Aaron Hanare. Big test for Hanare in uh, his opening G1 climax. Uh, I assume Tanahashi is going to win this. It's a matter of can Hanare find a way to get himself over in the loss? No, I'm sorry. So he's gone backwards, dude. You think so? He's oh, bad, badly, bro. I don't know, man. I, I felt like Hanare really needed a change. Um, and, and then he they changed, it. and well, did they really screw it? Because I mean, the change happened, and then the pandemic hit, and then Hanare yeah, couldn't dude. get into the country. And by the time Hanare came back, it felt stale, like he never really got to do anything with well, what he was given. Yeah, but I don't know what his role is inside of the Empire either. I kind of feel like he's the guy that's there to eat the pin. Yeah, at this point, he's he's nothing. He's an afterthought, man. And you know what? A few years ago, they sort of tried to make an effort with him by expl- you know, telling his story, how he's from New Zealand and all that. And it felt like they were actually willing to invest. And you know what? You're right. That was going back to 2019. The end of the year that year, we had the pandemic. So you're right. And after that, he was just not the same dude, man. He's just, he's derailed big time. Whether New Japan stick with him and and they do, they usually do, unless there's something bad that they don't like, there's no reason for him to lose his job. But at this point, he, I don't know what to do with him, man. He's just, 
He's just there, but doesn't really do anything. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately. I, I kind of feel like he's the Bushi of the United Empire. Uh, anybody Which is who's. Sad. You know, it, 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 every faction's got one. Every faction's got one. You well, know. Bushi is better than that, Chaka. That's a thing. Man. I know. Justice for Bushi and justice for Shingo. I'm telling you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, let, let's wrap up with a little bit of WWE talk here. I do want to kind of look at Money in the Bank, uh, especially this women's match, man, uh, because there's a lot coming out of this women's match, right? So you've got the Oscar-Becky Lynch program as that kind of goes forward. Alexa Bliss is trying to sell you a credit card. Shotzi's oh. deleting her Twitter. And Liv Morgan is the new SmackDown Women's Champion. Liv Morgan defeats Ronda Rousey. Said nobody ever until Sunday night. Uh, what did you make of the story they kind of told with Liv? Is Liv the right choice? Because I tell you what, man, that promo Monday on Raw was everything that I've been saying about Liv Morgan since I saw her in NXT. I mean, it was it was not good. It was not good. And if any time, and I wouldn't have pulled the trigger, but if there was a time, it was probably three months ago, dude, when she was probably at her most over. You know what I'm saying? But she's still over for whatever reason. I get it. She's that wholesome all-American girl. You know what I'm saying? You can re- you can relate to her. She's, you know, she's just like your next-door neighbor. You know what I'm saying? She's the chick next door. But come on, man. Like, I'm supposed to think that this girl can beat Ronda Rousey with one leg, a one-legged Ronda Rousey. I don't know, man. I don't think so. But good on her. She won it. I just didn't expect her to cash in on the same night. You know, the women's money in the bank, the average time of holding that thing is like two days. That's it. Really? Wow. Yeah. I mean, the I only one that, that really held on to it at all was Carmella. Everybody else is cashed in like almost immediately. Like they they want to do the women's money in the bank match, but they can't think of two different stories to tell at the same time that involve the briefcase. Oh boy, you know you're right. Absolutely, you're spot on. They just they're incompetent. But uh, that that women's money in the bank match for me was a fun train wreck, bro. Like even though it was shocking and it was botched city, I was actually enjoying it because of not only how bad it was. But it was just crazy, bro, just seeing it. it. It was certainly a train wreck, and it was certainly crazy. Um, it was crazy, bro, <laughs> legitly. No part of it I thought was good, but, I mean, you know. I don't know. Uh, it amused me. That actual match amused me because of how bad. I mean, you had these women going through ladders, literally. <laughs> you know what I mean? Did you see Shotty's face by the end of that match? Yeah. She was yeah. battered, bro. She was battered bad. And I mean, it was, that's what I mean. It was crazy. And Raquel Rodriguez, Gonzalez, whatever her name is, get her out of here, man. Seriously. Take, send her back to NXT, man. Yeah. I just say That's it. another one that I was just like, yeah, that's not going to work. That's no. not going to work. Nope. Not at all. Uh, let's stick with the women's division. Bianca Belair defeats Carmella in seven minutes and 10 seconds. It was better than I thought it was going to be. It was. It really was. I, you know what, dude? Are we underestimating Carmella? I think she's a lot better than we all give her credit for, man. I think Carmella is underrated and overrated all at the same time. Right. 
that's actually a good way of putting it because she really is. Because even I really don't think she's anything. But when I actually pay attention to her matches, I realize, you know what, man? She's not that bad. She really isn't. And she, but I felt bad for her. Did you see that dude that, 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 that like <laughs> threw money at her, like as she was walking out? No, I didn't, but that's hilarious. <laughs> bro, bro. I know prostitution's legal in uh, Las Vegas, but the, it just looked bad. That's it looked true. bad, dude. It looked like she was either a stripper or a prostitute, but I don't know, man. Uh, <laughs> but it was funny. Corey Graves was insufferable for me. As somebody who doesn't watch WWE TV on a weekly basis, like, I just thought that. And the, the Corey Graves commentary for Carmella matches, just. Oh, it's obnoxious, but it's funny, bro. I mean. I, I was not entertained. I was like, oh my God, just shut up. The just part where shut up. Said, it was funny when she got her, her teeth in the kicked out of her mouth, though, what he said, which was kind of funny. He's like, oh, I guess I, I need to put her on my health insurance. On my dental um, plan. Yeah. Oh, the dental plan. That's it. That's what it was. That was kind of funny, man. That made me laugh. But yeah, I mean, he just sits there saying how good she is. Which which immediately made me question because, you know, I'm a nerd that follows dirt sheets and, and the way that the company works and whatnot. Um, I immediately thought is, does that mean Carmella is an independent contractor? Is is Corey Graves an employee of WWE that he has a dental plan? Like, are the commentators employees and not independent contractors? Like, the, the actual wrestler? Like, my, that's where my brain right. went when You're he said right. that. And it was like, huh, that's interesting, <laughs> you know? That's so, funny. Yeah. That's funny that you picked that up. But I think they are employees, bro, uh, as a matter of I'm fact. Curious, I'm curious, you know, w w how the commentators are classified as independent contractors or employees. The no, stupid I'm things I wonder sure. about. Yeah, no, that's a good one though. I didn't think of that. I won't I won't lie, but you're right. I mean, that's a good sort of thing to think about. But I'm pretty sure they are employees. I've never heard of them being actual um, you know, contractors. So I don't know. It's it's interesting. I mean, I'm sure we can find that out, right? I mean, I'm I would think. But yeah, I'm I'm curious on that one. Ronda Rousey defeats Natalia by submission. Match goes twelve minutes and thirty seconds. Um, and I would like to give Ronda Rousey the Troll of the Month award. Mm -hmm. uh, Ronda Rousey doing the Shawn Michaels pose inside of the sharpshooter. I popped huge. I popped huge. And it looks so, like, uh, obnoxious, too. Like, yeah, eat that, bitches. You know what I mean? Oh, I popped one of those huge ones. for that. Why was <laughs> Natalia in this match? Can you give me some kind of a logical explanation as to why Natalia was the number one contender for Ronda Rousey? I cannot tell you, other than uh, if you watched SmackDown the week before, like the I Go Home not. show, no. you're not lucky that, that you didn't. Be I'm not doing that. <laughs> did you see, though, the highlights of the build up with the stroller? Yeah, I saw all that, but I, I, I just, like, how in the world would Natalia <laughs> become the number one contender for any championship at this point? I just. Well, I don't, I don't understand. Honest, she has the most power in the back out of all the females, bro. That's that's actually true. Well, what, what are you trying to find out? Natalia loses her matches 53.4% of the time. Yeah, so she's actually lost more than she's actually won? Yes. 
for her wow. career, she is 735 and 857. Shit, no shit. That's a lot of matches too, man. 1,605 um, matches. Wow. Well, who says she doesn't put anyone over, right? I'm just saying, man, but 857 losses. How did she become a contender for anything? Like, I, I don't. She's a heart, bro. <laughs> I just thought I mean, that was that's weird. that's what it is. thought that it was weird. weird. Especially now, man. I mean, I'm sick of Natalia. I mean, can we, like, get her less off? Well, yeah, you've seen 1,600 of her matches, and there's not one <laughs> yeah. of them that was memorable. Not one! Fair point. I What's your favorite Natalia match? I honestly can't think of one. But, uh, they, look, there probably is a couple of good, decent ones. I'm pretty sure her matches in NXT, I think with Charlotte, were actually quite good, if I can remember. But uh, yeah, no, you're right. I mean, enough already. Just weird. It's crazy. Weird. It's crazy, man. Bobby Lashley pummels Austin Theory to become the WWE United States Champion in 11 minutes. Um, and then, of course, we would see Theory come out and win the money in the bank. I just, I feel like it was the wrong choice, man. I felt like it was. I would have rather have seen Logan Paul in that spot other than Austin Theory. Wolf, that would have got heat. If it was going to be a heel, definitely. But uh, you know what's funny? The more you read out Money in the Bank, the more it sounds like it really sucked, right? <laughs> when I think about it, right? Oh, no, but, Jimmy, this know. is the top three show of the year. That's yeah. what she said. <laughs> when, you put, when you put it like that, right? But no, I don't know, man. I really like the show. I, I can't explain it. It was a fun show in terms of in-ring, right? Other than a couple of matches. It was just, I don't know. I think it was the energy. The energy, there was some sort of energy to the show, man, especially watching it live. That really got me. I mean, I'm not the only one that was saying that. A lot of podcasters. It was a good WWE show. I don't it think was. it was in my top three of the year, but just yeah, saying. Uh, it's funny. When you put it the way you've described it, it definitely sounds like, what the fuck was I on that day, right? <laughs> but um, <laughs> well, but it really I can was tell a good you show. what you were on. You were on the Usos and the Street Profits. Uh, that oh, well, that was fucking twenty three I mean, minutes. Twenty three minutes. Those guys. Wow. I mean, well, like, it, it was fantastic. It was it was slow to get going, but boy, once sure. it got there, my god, dude, I'm not gonna lie. I wasn't hyped for this match. I've seen this match a million damn times already, and we, and at this point, we see it week in, week out. But man, I don't know how they did it, but they managed to get me on the edge of my seat. And as you said, it was a slow start. But boy, these four work so good together. And they easily, by far, put on their best match that they've ever had against each other, man. Easily. So what do we do with the Street Profits now? Um, I mean, I mean, obviously, the shoulder was up. You know, the match shouldn't have ended. You know, WWE, let, leave it to WWE to, to ruin a great match with a shit finish. Um, oh, yeah. But so what now the prophets are going to bitch moan and complain about it. Like that's the most baby face thing ever. Wait, well, no, it's not. I, I, <laughs> like, well, funny enough, they didn't complain about it on raw. You didn't even hear about it. No shit. Kidding. <laughs> no kidding, man. Like that's exactly what happened. They didn't really care. I mean, I mean, they mentioned it, you know, passing by, but it wasn't really like a, it was an afterthought, put it that way. 
So, Speaking of afterthoughts, what a great segue, Jimmy T. Great yeah. segue. Um, so Paige is leaving the WWE. Uh, Paige seems rather emotional about this. Uh, the great piece in the Players Tribune um, about her, you know, farewell to the WWE. Um, this is really kind of a big deal because I do think that we're going to see Paige resurface somewhere and get back in the ring finally, because I think somebody is going to clear her to wrestle um, for better or for worse. But we also saw Sasha and Naomi removed from the internal WWE roster. So that's three women's talents that are going to potentially be available. Jimmy T, if you are the crack dealer himself, Tony Khan, and you can bring in one of these three women, which one are you bringing in? Paige, Sasha Banks, or Naomi? I would have to say Sasha Banks right now. You could make the argument with Paige because there'll be a lot of intrigue for her return. But Sasha in AEW would be something. You know what I mean? Okay, keep talking. I'll be right back. I got to do something quick. Oh, yeah, no problem. Yeah, so I actually think that more than likely Sasha Banks will actually join AEW. Although knowing Tony and his millions in his pocket, I dare say he will even go for Naomi, possibly. And heck, I mean, why not? It'd be a bigger deal if they brought the both of them. So I'm not sure what they'll do and who is the biggest star right now. But Paige, I think, could possibly bring a lot to AEW. Whether she, you know, is clear to wrestle, I'm not sure. I mean, look at Daniel Bryan, for anyone that doesn't realize. I mean, he's still not wrestling at the moment. And apparently his concussion's a lot worse than anyone sort of anticipated so i'm not sure where we go with Paige, but if she's clear to wrestle i mean why not it's been like i don't know maybe six years since she wrestled last maybe a bit less but it's been a long time welcome back man she is so upset can you hear her no nah. oh my dog what? is my dog is crying she's, please, why please. because well <laughs> I, please I, I, don't kill me well no no we <laughs> I, I, we don't trust her with the furniture and whatnot. We, we, she's a husky, oh. you know what I mean? Right, like right, she right. will tear stuff up. So when I come in to do the shows, we put her in her kennel and she's typically fine with it, but she's like, it's just in there crying. And it was like, Oh, honey. You know what? so I had to go you get her what? a turkey stick. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> you know what? If you're in the room, she, I don't think she'll start biting the, the pillows and whatnot. I think what she would do, is if you guys weren't home, is when she'll destroy the couch. Oh, and yeah, stuff. she'll destroy everything. You know what I mean? Because that's what oh, yeah. dogs do, especially when they're pups, man. Because they have separation issues too, you know what I mean? Yeah, she's not so, even a year old yet. So you would bring in Sasha Banks? I would because of star power and just it'll get people talking, just for that reason. I think I'd bring in Paige. Uh, well, yeah, Paige, there's a good argument with Paige also. As I was saying, that's a tough I mean, one because I feel like it would be a bigger deal. Like because we haven't seen her in so long in the ring. I think there would be a real appeal there. I mean, let, let's remember, like the whole like women's revolution, like all the, the the horse women get all the credit, but to, right. for me, Paige was really it. Paige and Charlotte, that that's what really got it going for me down in NXT. Yeah, I mean. People forget that Paige was once upon a time actually quite a good wrestler. And she was the best one on the roster by leaps and bounds. 
No, for sure. And heck, I think she's the youngest ever Divas champion. So there you have it at 18 years old. Yeah. And it's, she was a phenom and she did a lot for this business. And that injury, man, just. It was Sasha that actually, it was Sasha that actually caused the injury, wasn't it? I don't know if. She was in the ring with Sasha, but I really think that was years and years of bumping right, right. and torment on her neck that really it was just kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. I've I've never blamed Sasha for that. Okay, because it was a buckle bomb, if memory serves me right, on a house show somewhere. But uh no, you're right. I mean it might have been in the mother, garden, if I remember I think right. It was. It was. It was definitely a house show. I can even picture the footage, but um it's funny because when her mum was actually pregnant with her, she was still taking bumps. So I mean even that could have, you know, caused issues for you know because she's mighty young i mean how old is she now um you know why she's probably in her late 20s by this point i remember her debuting at like 18 bro which is like absolutely blows my mind she's 29 now what no way bro 29 was it 10 years ago that she debuted on raw um let's see she became she the- Divas champion in 2014. Wow. So eight years ago. Wow. God damn. And then she had about a year run in NXT, a great one year run. Yeah, she debuted in NXT in 2012. So 10 Whoa. years ago. Shit. No, she said she had about a two year run in NXT. Yeah, 2012 well, to 2014 in NXT. Um, and even she was in FCW for a brief stint in 2011. So, I mean, we've been watching her for a very long time at this point. I think the first time I heard about her, she was in Shimmer. So it was even before that. Well, funny enough, I actually even knew about it before she ever debuted in WWE because of a documentary that I watched by pure coincidence on television about her family. (laughs) And then I saw her in NXT and I'm like, hang on a minute, isn't that that the chick like from the documentary? And it was. So, yeah, which is a great documentary. I suggest you, you guys check it out. It's about her family and how, you know, she's a second-generation wrestler, man. So, And her family run a lot of indie-like events in the UK yeah. and are pretty decent, too. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm, I'm very interested to see where she ends up. Very interested to see where she ends up and what role she is used in. Yeah, well, could she be possibly used like a big show? And a Mark Henry per se. Yeah, absolutely she could. Is that absolutely she could. I don't know. I mean, Did if anything, impact. Yeah, impact would be an option, and I impact still has a very good women's division. I wouldn't mind seeing her in there. Isn't uh, oh, what the hell's her name? Tennille Dashwood. Is she still working to Impact? As far as I know, she does, but I don't hear. Not much at all coming out of her, other than she's coming back to Australia to do a couple of indie like events down here in July, which is this month. Other than that, I haven't heard much at all about her, really. Oh, uh, I, I ask because Paige versus Emma is that that's, one, matches, of, that's one of those matches that you get the Hell two yeah. of them together and it's just absolute magic. They've got great chemistry. Dude, do you know who else has got great chemistry, believe it or not? And people seem to forget that Peyton Royce, once upon a time, was a decent wrestler, dude. 
Yeah. I'm not kidding. She was definitely the more talented of the two. She was. She was actually much better before they became a thing. For whatever reason, she lost her her resting skills, shall I say. Or she didn't, but you know what I mean? She just, she was portrayed completely differently. But even her and Paige used to have some great matches too, man. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of people that Paige could have a, a great match with, assuming that she can be medically cleared. And that seems like a big assumption. Do you think she's been training, though, to oh, yeah. come back in the ring? She has? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Uh, interesting. It's I just the WWE it, medical staff wouldn't clear her. Well, look at Daniel Bryan. I mean, Bryan Danielson right now. There's a chance that he might not even come back at this point because apparently his concussion is a lot worse than first feared. Yeah. Yeah. Those neck it's injuries. Got to be careful. Got to be careful. Jimmy T, we are out of time for the week. Anything you want to plug, promote, put over before we get the hell out of here? Uh, just uh, you can find me right here at theblowoffpod.com, also at Hamim Media Group and at channelattitude.com. Um, but also like and subscribe at the pwcnetwork.podbean.com. Jimmy T and I will be back in your ear holes on Saturday for a new edition of Rampage Uncaged, presented by the Hamim Media Group, channelattitude.com. Not Jargo on Twitter for me at DJ Mass Effects for him. We will talk to you next week for a new edition of the Blow Off. For now, we're off like a prom dress. See ya.